I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Equitymates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your stand-in host, Alec Renahan. Sasha is taking a well-deserved break this week, and today is actually her birthday. So happy birthday, Sasha. We're doing this story especially for you. We know it's one you'll enjoy. Today, we're going to unpack the business story behind the biggest entertainment headline of last week. Hey, this is Justin Timberlake. Remember me? Justin Timberlake's $100 million payday. You may not know it, but chances are whenever you're streaming music on Spotify or Apple Music, the money isn't going to the artist. It's not even going to the record label. These days, it's pretty likely the revenue from that stream is ending up in the pockets of some of the biggest asset managers in the world. What do Beyonce, Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift, Lord, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Paul Simon, The Weeknd, John Legend, Wiz Khalifa and One Republic all have in common? Their music, or parts of their music, have been sold to private equity. Music copyrights have been one of the hottest asset classes in the investment landscape and the deals are huge. Pink Floyd are selling their back catalogue for $500 million. Bruce Springsteen sold his catalogue for a reported $550 million. And last week, another big name added their catalogue to the private equity coffers. Justin Timberlake sold his back catalogue for $100 million. But why? What is the investment case for music? It's Wednesday, the 1st of June, and today I want to know, why do investors want to get their hands on music rights, and why are artists willing to sell them? To do this, I'm joined by my fellow co-founder here at Equity Mates, Bryce Lesky. Bryce, welcome. Thank you, Ren. Well, Bryce, it's well known for long-time listeners of Equity Mates that you know nothing about pop culture. Perfect episode for me to find out. So no better expert to come in today. (laughs) That's it. Now, before we talk about Justin Timberlake, let's talk about Taylor Swift, because I think this is how most people have been introduced to this topic. So remind me of Taylor Swift's story And is this Justin Timberlake's story the same? Yes, well, most people will have read about or listened to Taylor's re-recorded albums. They're the ones with uh, Taylor's version in brackets at the end of the album and song name. This came about because in 2019, Taylor's previous record label, Big Machine Records, was acquired for $300 million. And with that ownership went ownership of Taylor Swift's masters. So why isn't owning your own recordings the norm? Well, when an artist first signs with a record company, often they sign away the rights to all music they record over the duration of the contract. This provision is supposed to account for the risk labels take when they back a budding artist, who may or may not make it big and in most cases don't. So there's a whole other episode in the business story behind Taylor Swift's masters, but for today's episode, it's important to know it is slightly different to what Justin Timberlake did last week. Taylor had absolutely no control over the sale, whereas JT has voluntarily sold his. But where it is similar is the buyer. 
why Justin Timberlake's music was worth 100 million or Taylor Swift's was worth 300 million, it's because music rights have become one of the hottest asset classes of the past couple of years. Yeah, it's fascinating. I wouldn't have thought of someone else's music as an investable asset class. So let's start with where the value of a song is. How do artists make money and I guess how do investors make money from a music back catalogue? Great question, Ren. And in one word, streaming. So we took a look at Justin Timberlake on Spotify. He does 27 million Spotify streams a month. Few less than equity, mate. A few less, not bad. Uh, the value of a Spotify stream is $0.005, or in other words, $5 per 1,000 streams. So not a whole lot. For JT, that's worth about $135,000 a month or $1.6 million a year. Now that's a rough calculation and it is just on Spotify. So if you were to add up streams across YouTube, Apple Music and all the other streaming platforms, as well as add in every time that JT's music is included in a movie or a TV show or played on TikTok, you can start to see that a hit song, some of your favourites, Ren, <laughs> can generate consistent income for years and years to come. I think we're going to have to land on a naming convention between Justin Timberlake and JT. Sure. Because we're <laughs> swapping around a bit. Uh, but look, that's the context for, for the story. You, you make a hit song and you can make money for years to come with streaming. And artists are essentially selling that future income, that streaming income, uh, for an upfront cash payment. Makes sense? Yes. So let's turn to the news of the week. Justin Timberlake got $100 million for his back catalogue. Right, well, Justin Timberlake is cashing in on his music. Now the Wall Street Journal reporting that Timberlake sold the rights to his song catalogue to a fund backed by Which InSync superfan is dropping that kind of cash? Well, if you think $100 million is big, wait until you hear about Bruce Springsteen's $550 million deal. Timberlake was offered $100 million for the copyright in all of his songs. That's approximately $200 in total that Timberlake wrote or co-wrote, including all of the hits that you've got at the top of your playlists, Sexy Back, Mirrors, Crimea River. There's a big debate started today by Justin Timberlake. People are saying he's either cashing in or selling out. And Ren, the buyer of his music, Hypnosis. With a J. With a G, Where yeah. does that fit in? Hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> Hypnosis is backed by private equity giant Blackstone. It is the third deal Hypnosis Songs Capital has struck so far this year. In March, it bought Leonard Cohen's share of his songwriting catalogue and in January, it acquired an 80% stake in the recorded music royalty stream of the country singer-songwriter Kenny Chesney, not an artist I'm familiar with. Well, before we go down the Kenny Chesney rabbit hole, uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake has sold his back catalogue, does it also include any new music he makes? No, it doesn't. The agreement only covers uh, his back catalogue, nothing future. Okay, now before we get to probably the big question on everyone's mind, why is it worth $100 million? Yes. Let's broaden this conversation out because JT isn't alone here. Selling your back catalogue has become a real trend in the music industry. Big trend, you're right. You listed a number of names in the introduction. Some of the biggest artists in the world are choosing to sell their back catalogue. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bruce Springsteen has sold the rights to his music catalogue. Neil Young sells 50% of his publishing rights to his entire song catalogue. 600 songs spanning 60 years. That's what Bob Dylan has sold for a reported $300 million. The sale will give Sony ownership of the rock legend's entire song and publishing catalogue are competing for Pink Floyd's catalogue, which could potentially reach up to a bid amount of the $500 million. of the late rocker David Bowie sold his entire catalogue to It is to the Warner most Music. lucrative transaction 
in history for a single r and crooner John Legend sold his to investment firm KKL and music company BMG. Then there are others, with Taylor Swift being the most famous example, that are seeing their record labels sell their music to private equity players. So Taylor Swift, $300 million. Taylor Swift is responding to the news that her catalogue of her first six albums have now been sold again. And an artist doesn't even need to be alive for an acquisition to proceed. David Bowie's back catalogue sold for over $200 million and Leonard Cohen's estate also sold his catalogue of music. Okay, so this has been a trend of the past few years. Artists are selling the future income from their music for upfront cash payments. Understand that and I understand why they're doing it. It de-risks the future popularity of your music. Yes. If you're Justin Timberlake and you're like, right now I can get $100 million for my music or I have to rely on people continuing to stream my music for years to come, I understand why you take the $100 million. The Now let's flip the question around. Why wouldn't you take the $100 million? That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money and it's another great question. There are plenty of reasons, but the big reason is that you lose control. I've never had an appraisal done. There have been offers for me to sell it, uh, which I haven't accepted. Right now, I still have control of how the songs are used. I have a, a say over how they're licensed. Uh, if they want to be used for a... a a commercial for, I don't know, underarm spray or toilet paper, I can say no. If you don't want to see your music end up in places that you're not comfortable with on some random ad on TV or a TikTok video that you don't want to be associated with, unfortunately, if you don't have the rights, you don't have control. Okay, so you want to keep control of your music, don't sell the rights. Yes. If you want nine figures, sell, <laughs> sell your rights. rights. Makes sense. Yeah. Now let's flip it around. Who's on the other side of this deal? Who's betting on these artists continuing to be popular? Who's buying these back catalogs? Well, it might be you and I, Ren, at the end of this episode, but at the moment it is private equity, it's hedge funds, it's massive music labels and specialized vehicles such as Hypnosis and Roundhill. They have become one of the hottest alternative asset classes for some of the biggest asset managers in the world. Besides Blackstone, who is involved in the JT deal, you've got massive players such as KKR & Co, BlackRock, Apollo Global Management, Providence Equity Partners and Eldridge Industries. Yeah, okay. So those names I recognize, they're asset managers with huge amounts of money. Mm. Blackstone has $900 billion in assets under management. KKR and Apollo have almost $500 billion each. These guys can buy whatever they want. What's the attraction of music? Who doesn't want to own a bit of JT? <laughs> These are basically annuities. In other words, they're paying royalties year after year as people continue streaming and downloading their music. And these funds are hunting for steady, predictable income-paying investments. When interest rates are low and bonds aren't paying a lot, they're having to look beyond the traditional income-paying assets. And songs become a way for Wall Street to diversify because they generate consistent cash flows and a relative relatively uncorrelated to the global economy. Okay, that makes sense. If I spend a million dollars on a song and it generates $50,000 in revenue from streams on Apple Music and Spotify, that's a 5% return. Yeah. And that's a lot better than the 2 to 3% that investors may get on a US government bond mm -hmm. at the moment. And it's a hell of a lot better than the 0.05% I'm getting on my savings account at the moment. Tell me about it. So Bryce, all makes sense. Now I'm really fascinated to know where the industry is going and whether I can get in on it. But first, a quick break to hear from our sponsors. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And as long as I got my suit and tie, I'm going to leave it all on the floor tonight. Welcome back to The Dive. Today we're at the intersection of entertainment and business after Justin Timberlake sold the rights to his music back catalogue for $100 million. Massive. Bryce, before the break, you were explaining why some of the biggest asset managers are looking at music as a way to generate consistent income. Mm -hmm. Based on the examples we touched on so far, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Justin Timberlake, I'm guessing this is a pretty hot asset class. You're right, Ren. It is hot stuff. It's become one of the hot asset classes in demand. In the past couple of years, hypnosis has gone from paying 13 times the revenue in 2019 to 20.5 times two years later. So just to be clear, if my song is earning $1,000 a year in Spotify revenue, yep. they were paying $13,000 for it. Yeah. Now they're paying over $20,000. That's it. it. That's it. So the value is increasing. And there are two reasons. Reasons for this. The first, in a low interest rate environment, which we've certainly been in the last decade or so, these annuity style assets have become more valuable. We're not going to go deep on how these funds calculate the value of future cash flows, but more simply, the 5% return from music investments is more attractive than the alternatives. Think about what you're getting in your bank savings account. But low interest rates are only part of the story here, Ren. The second reason, music streaming is growing and with it, the income from these songs. In 2021, total streaming revenues rose by just under 25% to reach $16.9 billion. Analysts from Goldman Sachs expect music industry revenue will double by 2030. So we are long past the dark days of Napster and Livewire decimating the music industry. Yeah, we certainly are, Bryce. But I guess we're talking about interest rates and a big story for 2022 has been inflation and interest rates going up. So have fears about rising interest rates uh, changed the music market at all? Is anyone trying to sell the music back catalogues they bought? Well, we are starting to see the start, but uh, I would caveat that it is only the very start. Providence Equity is trying to sell its $600 million song catalogue, which includes songs from Wiz Khalifa and Florida Georgia Line. Can I just ask, do you know either of those I know artists? Wiz, never heard of Florida oh, Georgia okay. Line. I actually have. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm not surprised. <laughs> if they can find a buyer, it would be the first major private equity exit from the red-hot music copyrights market. A $600 million price tag would be about a 20 times annual income, or if we were to flip it around, about a 5% yield. Right, okay. So they're still selling for about 5% return. $600 million price tag, 5% of that. Can you do the maths quickly? What, you're earning about $30 million a year? Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, take it. <laughs> but Bryce, when we were researching this episode, we came across a story that showed it wasn't just about music itself. Musicians and artists can sell a lot more than that, can't they? They can, Ren. And look, uh, Tina Turner sold her name, her image and her likeness to BMG last year, which does open up a whole metaverse oh, conversation. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into the metaverse story. Well, we could. But I, 
I would probably be open to selling my name, image, and likeness for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I don't know who would want your likeness, but <laughs> but I mean, it is a fascinating idea of you know what concerts in the metaverse could look like if a private equity player buys your image. I know, essentially. It's freaky to think about. So look, this is an asset class that I didn't know much about, but I'm realizing that it is hot and that people are making a lot of money and that music streaming is a pretty consistent revenue source if you buy the right song. You know what would be a great song if I could buy one song? Mariah Carey's Christmas song. <laughs> because that is just Constantly. guaranteed. Or Michael Bublé. Yeah, just, Always. just Christmas. You're, just, you're ringing that cash register. Yeah. <laughs> But, very seasonal, very seasonal. Yeah, but that's all right. Over the year, you know. But look, that that leads me to where I want to end this episode, which is how do we access it? You know, you and I, we don't have the $900 billion that Blackstone do. Can we access this industry or is it just too hard for us? Well, this is what I love about the world of business, Ren, finding new things all the time and you can access uh, music rights. So there are some listed funds that invest directly in music rights that you can become an investor in. The first is Hypnosis, listed on the London Stock Exchange. S-O-N-G is the ticker. They own rights to uh, Bruno Mars and Beyonce and have a market valuation of £1.3 billion. Uh, Then there's Mills Music Trust Unit, uh, over-the-counter markets, is where you can access them. They have a catalogue of about 25,000 songs. Then we've mentioned the big companies, the the big private equity companies that are listed. You can get into Blackstone, Apollo and KKR through public markets. And you can also invest in the big music labels such as Sony, Universal and Warner through public markets as well. But with those ones, this music royalty business would be a very small percentage of their overall business. That's it. Uh, Okay, so there are a few funds that give people like you and I access directly to songs. Yep. The key caveat there being not every song does well and um, you need to be very deliberate and do your research about what songs they own. Yes. Then there are the big funds that back these uh, these big deals. Yep. And then there's a third category. That's right, Ren. There are now uh, specialist exchanges online. For example, Royalty Exchange sold a partial interest in Jay-Z's Grammy winning Empire State of Mind for $190,500. Songvest is another one. Uh, It sold a catalogue of Usher and Chris Brown songs for $440,000. And Ren, you dragged me out of the metaverse, but uh, Royal uh, allows you to tokenize the ownership through NFTs of uh, songs. And rapper Nas, he uh, sold his new song, Rare. He offered 50% of the song in total and raised $369,000. Now, how he did that, he offered three sort of tiers. You could buy 0.0113% of the song for $99. You could buy 0.0658% of the song for $499 as well as get some exclusive merch or you could buy 1.5789% of the song for just shy of $10,000 and get a VIP concert ticket and some signed vinyl and merch as well. So pretty fascinating stuff. That is a fascinating use case of NFT. So, you know, you spend $99 and you get 0.0113% of the royalties that come from Apple Music and Spotify. Yeah. So then you'd just be sitting in your bedroom playing it 
over, over and, over, and over, again. over again. Well, look, Bryce, that is a fascinating way to end the episode. Music royalties, who would have known they were investable? But what's more, who would have known there are a number of platforms out there that allow us to buy it? Yeah. I'm going to go and do some due diligence and see if Mariah Carey's Christmas catalog is on there because I am going to buy it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to the end of today's edition of The Dive. Thanks for joining us. If there's a story you want us to talk about, contact us at thedive at equitymates.com. And remember to follow us on all the social media channels. Those details are in the show notes. Finally, remember to rate and review us. It really does help. And with Sasha away this week, in your review, tell Sasha you miss her and wish her a happy birthday. Finally, you can also subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you have every episode delivered to you the moment it drops. Bryce, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Ren. And we'll see you again on Friday. The Dive is a product of Equity Mates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.